The following conversation with Luke Richter of the Central Oregon Peacekeepers originally aired on August 14, 2020 on the Radical Songbook on KPOV, 88.9 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest, and it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. I have a guest on the radio today with me, Luke Richter. Luke, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, good. I I never I'm I'm an old guy. I I'm always skeptical of my use of technology, and once again, it's worked. <laughs> so awesome. good. Glad, thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks for being there on the radio. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. You bet. So as I told, our, our, our Luke is a, a leader of an uh, organization here in town called Central Oregon Peacekeepers. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, we had actually scheduled um, to have Luke on a few weeks back. And uh, not knowing, of course, what was going to happen between then and now. And uh, turns out quite a bit has happened between then and now. Um, some problems over in Prineville. And uh, then, of course, um, two days ago, uh, ICE, ICE's um, invasion of our community. So I want to talk to you about all of that, Luke. And then, uh, but also, I do want to talk about what we were originally planning to talk about, of course, which is like, what is Central Oregon Peacekeepers, what you're about, et cetera. We were, we're going to have to take a break at the top of the hour real quickly, um, and at that point, I'll play a song that you uh, asked me to play, and um, we'll um, go from there. So, um, so I think I think for the first, I would like to just get some background, if I could. How old are you, Luke? Uh, yeah, I'm 28 years old. I'm going to be 29 here in a couple months. Okay, uh, I didn't know. Um, and uh, okay, so you're in the late 20s, and you have been. Uh, did you grow up here in Bend? Uh, no, so I was actually born in a small fishing town in Brazil oh. and adopted and grew up in Arizona. And I um, have been pretty much all up and down the West Coast. The only state I haven't lived in for more than a month is Washington on the West Coast. But uh, yeah, so far I've settled in Oregon and I love it here. It's a great place. So were you? Uh, would you describe yourself as having been um, an activist uh, in the previous area places that you lived in uh in the u.s uh absolutely not as a kid i was a troublemaker i <laughs> i for a while i i still don't really look much into politics even though i'm i'm learning i should probably start doing that uh but it's this was nothing i've ever done before i'd never thought i would do this before and it just all just came about when i saw the uh, george floyd stuff and so it was actually the murder, the police murder of George Floyd, that uh, kind of propelled you into. Can you can you can you can you kind of walk us through that? Do you remember what you were feeling? I mean, you know, I don't want to get you know, I don't want to intrude on your personal thoughts or anything about that kind of stuff. I know it's very traumatic, but can you? I mean, you just decided yeah. you just decided that you needed to do something. Yeah, I mean, like like the rest of the country, I just I saw the video. Uh, it's the same video we've seen many, many times. Everybody should be 
fairly familiar with watching things like that because it's kind of it almost seems like it's once or a couple times a year there's just something major like that and I just I just remember watching it and just remember just just looking at his face and looking at the officers and hearing the people that were videotaping it just it just felt like if they if they can do that if they're strong enough to do that then I I should be able to be strong enough to do something similar and maybe even take it a step further if I feel comfortable enough to do what I can to just help people because he clearly needed help it wasn't and the police didn't give him the help they they murdered him and so once the once that happened and I watched that I just decided I should go to a Black Lives Matter rally because I don't want anybody to get hurt and it's just went from there so you actually like a lot of us I suspect. I mean, we social media being the way it is these days. We heard about, we heard about the the first rally at the Peace Corner, they called the Peace Corner, and then there was the march a few days later. You heard you heard about that first rally, the same way that I did, I suppose. I mean, just through the grapevine, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Just scrolling through Facebook, I saw it. And, uh, luckily, I live close enough to downtown where I can walk or drive, whatever I need to do to get there. There's no excuse for me not to get there. And what was your, what, so you're at that first rally as basically, I guess what I would describe is just like me and so many other people are participant in the rally. And yet, and now um, you're the head of Central Oregon Peacekeepers. Can you, what, 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 what happened at that rally or what, what was, what, what led from you just being a participant like the rest of us to you actually wanting to take more action uh, yeah so uh just at the rally that was there were so many people there i think it was around a thousand people just seeing that there were that many people there just standing up for something that i believed in my entire life without really believing what it meant but uh, just knowing that people that look like me have some struggles here uh, i just I saw all those people just willing to stand up for it, and it's not something I'd seen in Ben before. I've kind of felt uncomfortable in Ben for a long time. It's a predominantly white community, but just seeing all the support for that, it just it made me feel like there's there's just something that I need to do, and there's a couple things that I know I'm good at. I know I can talk and not make a fool out of myself in most scenarios, and I know that I'm a big body and I can get in the way of things and stop things and move people. So once once I found people that had similar interests of just wanting to keep uh, just everybody as safe as possible, make sure that uh, people protesting can be safe and have their voices heard and amplified, uh, just kind of snowballed from there. It started with like a, a couple people just text messaging and messaging each other on Facebook. To now, uh, I can't I can't give specific numbers, but there's a way. There's definitely a lot of us. We have a massive network everywhere. And and you do engage in uh, I know at one of the early peace uh, well, excuse me one of the early Prineville rallies that I saw um, on the uh, I think it was on the website for uh, the Black Leadership Assembly that I saw as uh, as one of the leaders of that organization was walking around uh, in Prineville uh, you were kind of um, you were kind of acting as security it looked like to me at least peacekeeping security I guess I would say. Yeah, and in places like Prineville, uh, since it's a very country area, you're going to have a lot of people with uh, rifles and AR-15s, just a lot of guns and ammunition. So uh, if, what, what happened in that situation was 
uh, the leader decided to go across the street to talk to people, which I've definitely tried to make my attempt at talking to people that like to counter-protest. But I definitely respect the effort that he made in talking with some of those people. And it definitely was some productive conversations from what I understand. But uh, I just, I can't have somebody get hurt. Nobody needs to get hurt at these protests at all. Uh, There's no reason for it. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a big body I don't know a lot of people that really necessarily want to mess with me. Uh, it's just, I, that's what I can do for this movement. I, I'm loud and I'm the big person. But you don't carry a gun, and some of them did. Yeah, no, I, I don't own a gun. I've never owned a gun. Uh, I'm, kind of, I'm trying to decide what I need to do with that now, just for my own personal safety and making sure that my house stays safe. But uh, no, I do not actively own a gun. But what I, my point being that you were. You put yourself in a place where some of the people that were over on the that were you know opposed to the Black Lives Matter rally were armed, and that must have been uh, did that did that scare you at all? Uh, if, in the moment, you don't really think about it. Uh, every every time after a rally, where I'm in that situation, when I go home and. Uh, just kind of watch any footage that we have and just kind of realize what I kind of put myself in, then it, then you get the feeling of, okay, wow, maybe that probably wasn't the best idea, but that it's not going to stop me from continuing to do it. It's, I would never recommend somebody doing something like that because you never know what the person on the other side is going to think once you get close to them. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to stop. Like I said, that's what I'm here to do, and I have more protection to do so, so I'm not just going to immediately take a bullet. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not a, um, it's not a community role that anybody can just drop into and play. It ha- It's something, and it sounds to me like you have really given it some consideration about what you're doing and what you, what you want to do. I, I, I was really struck by, uh, I watched the video of you from Wednesday, um, of you kind of your live stream where you started walking from over in the area near, um, I'll say, strictly organic across the across industrial way there and toward the um, uh, the buses, the ice buses that were in the parking lot there at that at Spring Hills um, Motel. And I know you weren't alone. I mean, I know there were other people with you, and some of them were taking photos and stuff. Uh, or uh, I should say, streaming it on their on their phones, but um, um, it was very moving. Um, I, I thought it took a lot of courage because you're up against not just you know people with guns. You're you're up against you know well people that I would consider to be Trump's uh, stormtroopers, and and I just I really commend you um, for doing that. Um, I thought it took a lot of courage. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I appreciate that. And honestly, that didn't even really cross my mind in that moment. Somebody kind of clarified that for me today, that essentially what we ended up doing was giving Trump the middle finger, and and I'm 100% backing that. (laughs) Indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, you know, it was it was it was very inspiring to see because I, I'm the as we're and I don't know I I really encourage people to go to the is it still up on the Peacekeepers um, website that video that that's, that's yeah yeah I'll, 
all the lives that I were able to do that day are, are still up and Great. still getting maximum amounts of views each day. Yeah, I, I would, I, listeners, if you haven't, if you go to the Central Oregon Peacekeepers web, um, uh, Facebook page, and you can find this, and it's really, because as you're walking up to the buses, one of them starts to move. Yeah, one of the buses came probably within four to five inches of actually hitting me. And you just stood there. Yeah, they're, if, if they're going to hit me, and they're going to hit me. There's There are lives on that bus that deserve a chance just like I do, so I wanted to do everything I could to get them out. And at the same time, of course, you were letting um, the, the city know, the community know, and you and uh, you and many other people. I, I have to say, I, I was uh, not home when all of that was breaking, and I got home and checked my email and I got a phone call and then checked my email and I had like multiple emails telling me that what was happening down there and uh, which is, you know, the way that our networks work here. But we had, you know, the mobilization network for that rally was really phenomenal. I thought it was, it was, I I didn't get there until after um, you all had been there for a while because I didn't know it was happening, but uh, more and more people kept coming. It was really, uh, we, we've really built, I think, and you're part of this. I think that the you and uh, your organization and 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 the uh, um, diversity project and all the all the Black Lives Matter uh, organizations and Latinx organizations in the community have really built uh, some tremendous um, mobilizing ability, mobilizing capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And now that I think all the groups have seen that everybody's willing to come together for a common goal. I think that's really going to help push uh, the future and making Oregon and hopefully the country a lot better uh, just for everybody and make sure that everybody gets taken care of the way they should. For those who have just joined uh, Radical Songbook, I'm talking with Luke Richter. Luke is the um, – What do you have a, a, a – your Central Oregon Peacekeepers, do you have a – is there a – are you the president of it or you do you or, – or do you have yeah, a – or do uh, you have any terms like that? Uh my team considers me the president. I don't really care much for the terms. It's not what I'm here for. It's just a label. But okay. my team would say I'm the president. Yeah. Well, you're at least at this time. On the, at this moment, you're speaking on behalf of the organization. We can certainly say. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and um, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Well, one thing I want to know is: uh, Did you happen to read the bulletin editorial today? The Ben Bulletin editorial. Yeah, somebody sent it to me actually twenty four, like twenty minutes or so before you gave me a call, and it was it's I I just can't believe it. Don't, don't let it go to your head, but but it was a pretty flattering editorial, I thought, and and I, I thought one of the things that really struck me about it was that um, you were mentioned a lot as having done some really great stuff and. And the mayor of the city wasn't mentioned at all. I, I, uh, I wonder if um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like so much has happened in the last couple of days. There's, there's almost. I don't really want to. There's so much media out there. We've been all over the place. I actually yesterday morning I woke up uh, to get a an email from a friend of mine in France who sent me a photograph from Bend <laughs> saying right on. So that was the my first inkling that. Oh, this is getting a little uh, 
little media attention. It was mentioned on Democracy Now! this morning. It's been in the New York Times, etc. So, um, and I think Kate Brown is accurate and John Hummel are accurate in saying that this is part and parcel of Trump's, um, uh, you know, his using these these stormtroopers. And I think particularly he's targeted, he's targeted Oregon to use Oregon as an example to other people in other parts of the country uh, as an example of what... Uh, he thinks that they don't want. I don't know if that's an accurate way to put it, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. It seems like um, it's since he's so far against liberalism and just being the left side of the middle, then he's, he knows that's what Oregon is kind of known for. It almost seems like he watched too much Portlandia. Yeah. He thinks that's what all of Oregon is, is at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um I should say here that uh, for those that were listening earlier, I did have some uh, a commentary about uh, the mayor Sally Russell and the police chief police chief Mike Krantz, and I just want to add that um, either one of them or both of them, not not the same time, but uh, they're they're both welcome to uh, come on to the Radical Songbook. I'd be happy to talk to either one of them um, about about what transpired Wednesday and about some of my overall feelings about them. But I wanted to ask you, Luke, and so. And, I, and I've never asked, I haven't asked, I don't know the answer to this question, but, you know, so what is your, what's your take on the local official response from the city, from the police department, from the county, from elected officials, et cetera? What, you know, what, what's your, um, what's your sense of, of how that went down? Yeah, um, I can say at least in John Hummel's case, I appreciate him showing up and staying for as long as he did. Uh, I didn't actually see when he left, but he was there in his suit and tie, fresh from his desk. So he he came, he fielded a lot of questions, he dealt with a lot of people screaming in his face about some of the things that are going on in his office or have gone on in his office that are being investigated. And I would say out of all of them, Hummel stepped up the most. I know Barb Campbell was there, and uh, me and Barb Campbell have had some disagreements over some things, but I appreciate her showing up in the capacity that she did. Uh, as far as the police, uh, it seemed a little bit disorganized just because of how the force came in. The, what started with, like, three or four cop cars turned into uh, a cert team showing up directly from a training, is what he said, uh, which... What, what kind of training was that at that point? Like, where, what was going on at that point? And that definitely kind of panicked some people in the crowd, and we thought we were going to be in for a long day of what Portland has been seeing. And I'm glad that he ended up calling them off after realizing what was happening. And uh, the police department has been willing to speak with myself and my team and uh, just collaborating. And uh, after watching those events, they, they understand the role that we play in the community now and I'm starting to understand it as well just by seeing how many people were moving when I said we need to do something so uh, it sounds like we're we're all starting to get a little bit more centered hopefully and a common goal of keeping the community safe as possible and making sure that everybody's rights are respected and everybody can be in this free country but uh, there's there's always work that needs to be done and uh, I have a conversation with Mike Cram scheduled for Tuesday with a Eric King, so we'll we'll see what goes on there. And uh, as far as the mayor, I didn't even know she had showed up. I was moving my car away from the area, so if the feds did start getting a little bit more violent, 
uh, my car wouldn't be just immediately just crashed by them. So uh, as I was driving to find a different parking spot, I noticed she was leaving. So uh, I'm not I'm not sure what she was thinking. I know I don't think she even said much to anybody. So it's it's a little disappointing, and I hope she uh, has some answers for it. And if she doesn't have answers or doesn't speak on it, then that's an answer in itself. Yeah, I totally agree with you about that. So I'm glad to hear um, that you are going to meet with Mike Krantz. I had, a, as I mentioned earlier on the show, I did. I had a phone call with him a while back that I, you know, I asked and got, had it arranged through through Eric King, and it was a good call. I mean, I, you know, he said some good things, but I'm, as I said earlier on the show, sometimes you know, what you say and what you do are two different things, um, and that's concerning to me. But I'm glad that you're meeting with him. I think that. And I know that, that I don't know how you felt about it. I know a lot of people in the community did not, he wasn't their first choice and, and he wasn't my first choice. And, and, you know, but he is the police chief right now at this moment in time. And so I'm glad you're meeting with him. Um, I think I, I was really struck by his press conference last night and I'll, I'll repeat it here where he talked about how he thinks that to build trust, he talked about to build trust that he needed to bring people into the police community, people into the police department to um, learn what they do and what and, and stuff. And I, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's kind of got it backwards a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's he's in Portland or he talked a lot about uh, community engagement and what he did in Portland. And it's, at this point, it's not our job to reach out to him. Where he's he's supposed to be working for us. He's got to come come to us. He's got to come to our rallies. He's got to find us on the streets when we're doing something. Or he he can even just call me. He has my phone number now. If he wants to reach out and he wants to talk about things, I'm more than happy to talk and see what we can do to reach some sort of compromise or just make sure that we're all going in the right direction. If that's something that we can do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I no, absolutely. I think it's absolutely the ball. As far as I'm concerned, the ball is in his court, as they say, and it's really up to him to to do the work of reaching out to people and not just say that he's going to do it, but to actually do it. Um, I I think he both he and Sally Russell should have been at that rally earlier. You know, I mean that whole SWAT team thing. The phone call I got, the first phone call I got, said, oh, the, you know, the police are here with their SWAT team and rubber bullets, and I mean, you know, and people were, you know, the person who called me was like, it was, you know, she was obviously like really. <laughs> concerned and 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 warranted concern you know and and you know the fact that they sent them there from a training you know okay i'll accept that at face value if that's what happened but the police chief in my view should have been there right away to explain that to people and to send them away and i i I think he was remiss uh in that regard so hopefully you'll be able to talk to him about some of that stuff yeah we definitely have quite a few questions for him from his time in Portland and definitely after the events that yeah. happened where we might even have to just completely adjust our strategy for how we go into that meeting because we, we definitely just want to hold him immediately accountable for the things that we saw and some of the inaccuracies that seem to be coming about. That's great. I think that kind of, that kind of engagement is essential. Um, a couple of things that I want to ask you about that I'm not sure of. One is, I I, I saw somewhere online that there's a there's an abolish ice rally scheduled tomorrow. Do you know anything about that? Uh, yeah, 
uh, I don't have the poster in front of me right now, but uh, there is another rally going on. It's on Peace Corner, uh, right next to Bank of America on Wallet Greenwood. Uh, it's, I believe it starts at 12 or 1 p.m., uh, somewhere around there, but uh, we're hoping to get a big turnout for that. And then a little bit later in the day, there's actually going to be another rally in Prineville uh, with Josie and the Central Oregon Diversity Project. So uh, we're hoping to make a presence at both events just so people know that we're serious about what we do. Uh, but uh, we're just uh, formulating plans and seeing what can happen. Yeah, a lot to do. You've got your hands full here. Um, the, oh, other, yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because it's, it's a little unclear to me about how to do this, is there is, um, I've, I've read, there, there's a GoFundMe site, uh, uh, sites that are available for the two, the families uh, of the two men that were, uh, in my view, illegally detained by the, uh, by federal officials, federales. And, but I, it's a little, right. un, it's a little unclear to me how you find those GoFundMe pages. Do you do you have any advice for people about how to do that if they want to contribute some money to the families? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my uh, my team's Facebook page, the Central Oregon Peacekeepers page, has them up in a post, and uh, I can actually just uh, email you the links after we get off here, so you can have them handy and uh, pass them out at your disposal. Okay, great. Um, and and so, if, listeners, if you want to. If you want to contribute to um, the families um, of the two men that were illegally detained by by the federales, uh, if you go to the Central Oregon Peacekeepers Facebook page, you'll find the link to those. Um, and there's, as I understand it, there's two separate ones. So um, be prepared to, uh, if you want to do this, folks, I would really encourage you to double your money and make sure that you contribute to both. To each of them, I guess I should say. Thanks for that. I appreciate that that information. So, Prineville, yeah, you guys had a couple of people that are affiliated with uh, the peacekeepers were arrested. There were three people arrested, as I understand it, in Prineville last week, two of whom you identified in the media as being part of the uh, peacekeepers. Was was the third person just wasn't part of the peacekeepers, or what, what was... Uh, you want, can you describe it? And I know you got some legal issues around this, so right. excuse me. So don't you know? I don't. I'm not asking you to divulge anything you, that you're not in a position to divulge. But you know, if there's anything you can uh, tell our listeners, it'd be great about what happened that day. Uh, uh, what I can say is that uh, three individuals were arrested, two were detained, and uh, one was cited and released uh, for medical reasons. I believe is what the police report said. Uh, the two that were detained are people that I do know. I can't necessarily confirm their what they do with me uh, as far as the peacekeepers, but they definitely follow a lot of what I do and are usually around when I'm needing help with something. Uh, so that's, that's really about as much as I can say. I need to protect what they're doing because uh, this is something that I was there. I saw what happened, uh, but I wasn't directly involved, and obviously I wasn't arrested also. So. Right. I can't really speak much more on that because there will be uh, some things coming along. Yeah, some legal stuff that might even actually, who knows, you might even be asked to uh, uh, tell somebody what somebody what you saw. Um, yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so, um, so you've, you've talked a bit about what, you know, the origins of the peacekeepers. Um, one thing I, I'd like you to do is could you um, describe and 
explain to our listeners the peacekeepers symbol that I've seen, uh, the red symbol that I've seen on your black shirts. Can you, could you just, what is that? Yeah. So since I grew up in Arizona, uh, I've, I was a big sports fan as a kid. I still am a big sports fan. Uh, so the, the Arizona Cardinals were my favorite football team. And for, uh, you saw me at some of the earlier rallies. I don't know if you noticed, but I was wearing a Larry Fitzgerald football jersey uh, who plays for the Arizona Cardinals just because that just made me feel more comfortable for some reason. And uh, somebody saw that, asked if they could make us a logo, and they chose uh, that, that design, and it's just a, a Cardinal. Okay, I had no idea. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm a sports fan, too. I'm not, I'm not a big football fan, but I, I am uh, familiar with who, they are, who the Arizona Cardinals are, of course. Um, all right, so that explains that, yeah. So um, so talk, if you could just talk a bit more about, I mean, I'm, I'm looking here at the um, Peacekeepers, again, going to the Peacekeepers um, page, the mission, the Peacekeepers are BIPOC-led and are dedicated to the safety of the Central Oregon activist community. We organize safely. We, we excuse me. We organize safety volunteers, identify violent counter protesters, and research public figures. If you believe in justice, equity, and inclusion, we're here for you. And listeners, if you are interested, uh, you can go to you can email uh, Luke at Central Oregon Peacekeepers at Gmail dot com. Uh, and as I said, you can go to their Facebook page, and there are even ways that if you want to, you can um, contribute uh, to the work of the peacekeepers. And I imagine that, you know, there's a, well, you, you, you probably don't have a, a huge budget, but you do have some expenses, I imagine, that uh, that go into the work that you do. I mean, traveling back and forth to Prineville is, uh, you can't do that for nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, it's been a lot of gas. Uh, we were able to go to Portland with some of the funds uh, that we've made. Uh, we've We've been able to purchase just safety equipment. Uh, we're working on getting uh, more walkie-talkies, just working on getting just anything that we can do to uh, just make our operation smoother and a little bit better, just so uh, we're just better than the last event. And, well, I think you've been doing a really good job for, from everything that, that I've been able to tell. And, you know, I mean, it's always, um, it's always comforting to go to a rally uh, and particularly when you know that there's likely to be some people that don't agree with what you're protesting or rallying in defense of or whatever, it's always comforting to see that there are people there that are um, readily identified by their clothes and by what they're wearing as the people that are there to keep the fees, peace and provide uh, a degree of protection. So uh, how many people do you are you usually able to like rally to to do that at a, at a, at an event? Uh, usually our numbers, uh, vary between, uh, anywhere from just one of us or two of us being somewhere to, uh, organizing close to maybe like 40 or 50 people. There's, there's never a finite number We're we're always just always assume that we're somewhere or that we can be somewhere is the best way that we can put it right now. And so, do you have? Um, we've talked about the you know the the rallies the rallies tomorrow the one in uh, at the Peace Corner in Bend at, at, uh, at midday and people can find out more about that at the Peacekeepers um, Facebook page and then a rally tomorrow night or afternoon or evening 
uh, in Prineville. Anything else that the peacekeepers uh, or any of the affili- affiliated groups, groups that you're connected with, uh, any other events coming up that you want to let our listeners know about? Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, we don't normally organize the events just so we can uh, maintain just a little bit more anonymity and make sure that we we can protect people. Uh, we do sometimes, but as of right now, they they usually get planned a week ahead, and I haven't heard anything besides these two. Uh, there may be there's sometimes some things that go on on Sunday, either in the early afternoon or around the morning time, but. Uh, I believe it's just those two for right now. But uh, even if there's not a rally, there's always more phone calls that can be made. There's always more emails that can be written. Uh, there's always more to do besides just uh, hanging out in the streets and uh, fighting that way. That's I would say that being in the streets is the easiest part of this. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it's not, you know, it's been it has been pretty amazing um, having lived in Bend here for 19 years or so and seen. You know, and there there have been, um, you know, there's a, there has always been, at least in the time that I've been in Bend, there's always been uh, what I would call a progressive, uh, you know, um, a group of progressive activists in the community. But um, what's really been uh, really been great is like, and I guess I I would say it started with the the first women's march in 2016 after the uh, uh, inauguration, the the day of the inauguration of Trump. Uh, when we had you know several thousand people marching in the streets of Bend, and but the, these these previous these these Black Lives Matters rallies have exceeded that. Uh, they're they're just been enormous, um, and I just really commend you and everybody else who is uh, organizing has been organizing those events or serving as peacekeepers at those events and making sure that they that they they uh, uh, run smoothly and they have I would say they have run smoothly. Um, so is there anything more about Wednesday's events that, um, that you want to uh, let our listeners know about that maybe that you're involved in or that other people, I know that the temporary, that the judge, um, kind of nixed, uh, and I would say temporarily nixed the temporary restraining order, but I, I, as I understand it, there's a, uh, court hearing on September 3rd and that the judge did at least say, that these two men cannot be deported. Uh, is that your understanding right. of that? Yeah. I was, I was made aware of that probably about an hour before you called in. Okay. That's, that's the update I was hoping to hear, cause that it was very tough. Uh, the very early stages of my live stream, you could hear me crying. I'm, I, I definitely started crying just looking at what was happening and understanding the uh, severity of what was going on and just knowing that there were human lives in there that were being detained. And I know I understand the law enough to know that there had to be some sort of documentation for that to be okay. And if they would have shown me the documentation or shown any legal representation that was there, the documentation, I would have called off. I would have left if nobody else wanted to leave. I would have at least left and called off and said, I did what I came here to do. And I have no legal standing right now. I need to go. We need to go find lawyers and do something that way. Uh, but just hearing that they're still in the country and that they can't be deported yet, it's just we we have a chance to get them back. And I I will do everything that I can to help the community get those gentlemen back. Yeah, I think it's um, you know the whole the whole story you know about 
you know, quote unquote criminality. Um, you know, I mean, for one thing, you know, we, you're not the judge and jury on, you know, just speaking to other people who have used that term, including the mayor. Uh, you're not the judge and jury in this situation. And, and moreover, you know, there's this, uh, it, it, the whole thing, you know, I mean, the whole thing is just kind of fishy, right? You know, they supposedly are here for two people and yet there's, what, they each get a bus? And, and you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. And, and uh, you know, the whole idea that uh, why wasn't, you know, the question about why wasn't, uh, why wasn't this just handled, if that, if that was the issue, why wasn't it just handled by local law enforcement? Um Right. And, and, you know, and I read today in the paper that uh, there's some concerns about, on one hand, the, you know, police chief is saying, uh, and the mayor is saying that, you know, we're, quote, unquote, a welcoming city and we don't, we don't work with ICE. And yet we've heard that there's a rumor or at least a concern that will be investigated that uh, Bend police were assisting ICE in small ways, but nonetheless, you know, I think it's part of... Uh, I guess I'll just call it cop culture. You know, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of understand why they might do that. Why a Bend policeman, if an ICE guy came up to him and said, "I need to get my phone recharged," why a Bend policeman wouldn't hesitate to do that because it's part of police culture, perhaps. But it's aiding. It's 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 basically not what we're supposed. What the city is supposed to do. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's a small yeah, thing. It's- a small thing, but you know, significant. Yeah, I mean, if, let's say, one of their cell phone dies, who knows how much extra time that could have bought, bought us at that moment. Yeah. Uh, so I, at, at the end of that event, when I noticed that the two gentlemen got taken and that's where we were at at that moment, it was, it was hard. It was hard to just say that we, I, it felt like a failure. Everybody came up to me and told me that we stalled out as long as we could and we did everything that we could and anything else would have resulted in more violence and i obviously don't want that but my personal mission was to get those gentlemen off that bus that day and i i didn't do that and i've i'm starting to come with terms that that's okay and that i did everything that i could do in that moment but i i really wanted to get those guys off that bus luke you didn't do anything you you did as much as you could everybody did as much as they could um and you 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 shouldn't feel bad about any of that um, really, and 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 uh, you know you, uh, but I but I get what you're saying because it's the human it's the human side of this it's it's the impact on these families that suddenly suddenly don't have income that literally suddenly don't have uh, who knows I mean I don't know what their situations are but I would imagine that that if uh, somebody who's working suddenly you know you don't have their income that that's going to have a very negative and very challenging impact on that family and. So yeah, the human side of this—it's a real—it's a real human tragedy. Uh, it's a real human tragedy, and I and I'm, and we know, of course, that the Trump administration doesn't care. Um, but we hope that our local elected officials do think about that and do care about that and do want to put the human element of our the human beings in our community first and foremost. Yeah. If this issue, if this situation doesn't make you have the human aspect just more ingrained in your head, I don't know what will. That was the easily the most sobering moment of my life, just watching that family try and communicate with them in that bus. That was. I hope. I honestly hope nobody else ever has to see that in their life. And uh, if you do uh, decide to watch my live video, 
I think I do accidentally point my camera at them at one point, but uh, you'll you'll be able to understand what I'm saying. It's it's you. I I can't even put proper words to it. It's just it's a very sobering thing to watch. I and again, I want to. I I really. I want to really recommend to our listeners that you you take a look at at what Luke is talking about on the on the Peacekeepers page because it's very moving, and it really is. If you weren't there, or even if you were there and you weren't like, you know, right where he was, I mean, you can really get a whole a, a different uh, understanding and perspective on on what was what was happening in that parking lot at that particular moment. And I really, again, I really, uh, I think you showed tremendous courage, and I and I, and I think, you know, I really. I understand what you're saying, but it you did you did you did your best, and and we often, you know, I mean, like I've been, you know, I've been doing this stuff for like 50 years, and believe me, there have been more than one occasion where, you know, we didn't win that particular mo at that particular moment, and while we we have to at the same time that we have to always take into account the, the human suffering from that moment and, and, and try to rectify that with any actions and work that we can do. We also have to kind of take a long view of that, you know, it, it's a, uh, we're up against powerful forces. We're up against huge, powerful forces and, and it's a constant struggle to, um, so what you did and what every, what we all did, what everyone did on Wednesday around those buses, um, was in many respects it was a huge important positive thing even though the end 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 wasn't what we were hoping for yeah it's it's something that i never i just thought i was going to be standing in front of a bus but uh, i thought i was it was mentioned on rachel maddow last night i've heard it was in russia you said it was in france it uh, was in india at one point it's it's clearly more than that. It's clearly something that needs to be followed up on and will be followed up on. Yeah, and it's and it really it does that. All of that, all of that national that international coverage points to the fact that um, that this is what 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 was ha what happened in Bend that day is part of the Trump re-election strategy and the Trump administration and what the and and what the Trump administration will do if they are re-elected. That they this will become more common practice and and for all the more reason that obviously um we got to get rid of that guy <laughs> yeah we, and, and, we really do yeah anything you know anything more that you want to want to say to our listeners before um i always like to make sure that my guests have been able to say everything that they want to say so if there's anything more that you want to say to our listeners um please do uh just that I appreciate everybody that's reached out and uh, has been worried about how I'm doing mentally. Uh, I am definitely trying to take as much time as possible to um, make sure I take care of myself and make sure that I'm mentally prepared for just more so I can keep going. And uh, just all the community, I just I appreciate you all so much for showing up how you did and uh, watching the live stream and making all the phone calls if you couldn't get there. Just I appreciate Bend Oregon so much for what they did and. I know the Latinx community appreciates it. I know uh, the Black Lives Matter groups appreciate it. We we all just appreciate what we saw. Uh, we hope that everybody just understands now that this is something serious. This is a fight for human lives, and uh, 
we all need to be in this together. It's going to take a, a massive village. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.